Welcome uh, welcome to another exciting episode of the Two Half Squads. I'm Dave. And I'm Jeff. And we've got a special guest. Hi, I'm Eric. Eric, Eric Ortega. Yes. From the Southwest ASL Group has joined us. The Southwest Outpost Commander of the entire unit. Yeah. Right here. That's right. This is a very special day. We are honored to have you. Well, thank you. It's honored. Southwest, and that's relative. <clears throat> oh, yes, it, it is, because we have come to the decision that when I was looking to see what ASL was doing in, the, in our part of the state, I found out that the hub, the actual center of the entire ASL universe, is right here. In so, the broadcast foxhole. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It must be something geological or something. Yeah. At that point, I took a map and I said, here's where I'm at and here's where you are. I am exactly southwest of just about everybody who plays squad leader. So we came out to that point and we got a couple, I got our group together and said, what are we going to call it? And I said, well, we're southwest from everybody else. We're the southwest outpost. Works very really well. Yeah. And kind of southwest of Chicago, but. Um, yes, it is. Definitely is. And which, in, in what town are you? Uh, it's in Romeoville, right off of, uh, we're of I-55 and Weber Road. We meet at a church. And the church dudes kind of look at us and say, what are you playing? And we try to explain it to them, and they walk away with you know, really strange looks in their eyes. But they go, oh, that's nice. <laughs> but um, they yeah. really start to accept it. It's kind of nice. They're, they're, after a while, they're just drawn to it. They're just wondering, it's like, what is that again? They just can't stay away from it. Again, yeah. proving that the world's greatest game attracts all. Uh-huh. It does. And the greatest does. game is advanced squad leader. It is. And today is... Um, July one day fourth what is it? Thirteenth. Yeah. Two thousand fifteen when we're recording tonight. So you're you you have an open invitation for anybody, like if your plane goes down near Romeoville, stop it by the Southwest yeah, Outpost. Might be, oh yes, if yeah. you even You don't have to be a member to get into your club, do you? No, but okay. we'd love to have you as a member. Yeah, we even got somebody from the far northwest north side of Chicago who comes. Same as John yeah. Pierce, I believe is yeah. Oh, John, yeah, John yeah. Pierce. Yeah. 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 He saw our little thing, and he came on down, and wow, is he good. <laughs> yeah. Thoroughly whipped us all, and uh, we learned a lot, and then we said, hey, you got to come again. He says, sure, and now he's a member. Oh, that's great. That puts me yeah. to shame. I can't get there because it's a Sunday. <sighs> and as you know, I'm, I got all my D&D groups and my kids. You could start going to church and- down there, though. Could worship there and stay. Yeah, what kind of church is it? It's it's a Christian church. I think they call themselves evangelical or what have you. Oh, okay. But um, I just oh, what have you? That's me. Yep. There you go. See, yeah. they'll, they'll they'll have whatever you have. Yeah, I'll have that. <laughs> and I'll have another. Yeah. When you're passing the uh, yeah, so you're... oh, no, I didn't ahead. say um. <laughs> this is the episode where Jeff doesn't say um. You guys got to help me. Count them, folks. Actually, I'll probably end up editing them out anyway. No, we're putting them in. Leave them all in. All right. Count them. I dare you. Okay. This is it. Ooh, and so your game session start at like one or about twelve, right after the last uh, the uh, service. Yeah. They everybody kind of clears out eventually. Um, I have the uh, what do they call ministry team that greets everybody. They have like a coffee bar there, so they yeah. leave, leave coffee and tea oh. and everything for us. So we have beverages, we have free reign of the of uh, the tables and everything. And what's really nice is when we used to meet over at a game shop, and it was really hard when you do that because, you know, space sometimes could be limited at one point or another. And you get just get into a game, and then you run out of time because they have to close. Yeah. Well, the church is really nice. They just kind of lock the doors, and they lock us in. <laughs> and they says, 
well, you know, when you're done, just turn out the turn lights. off the lights and close the doors and the lock automatically. So we are there till everything's completed. And I have been oh. there from till 9, 10 o'clock at night waiting for a game to be done. But it isn't bad because you get to watch the excitement of this wild roller coaster ride of ASL in this yes. game. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's, like, it's very yeah. exciting. It is. Like when you recorded that ASL Extra with me at my place, that was, were you, wait, were you playing or were you watching Jeff and I? Wait, no, no was, I, was, it, I was playing. Uh, yeah, you were playing. Well, that other guy. It was yeah. What's his? Oh gosh, I forget his name. <laughs> Is I that guess. helpful? There's at all? so many of us. We just yeah. can't keep yeah. up. But we were playing the um, hammer to the teeth or something yeah. to that yeah. effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm putting all this stuff out there, and as naturally, I'm a very animated person, as you can tell. And when I play, I like to get that exuberance going. So when they go there, it's just like, and now these guys will march forward. Go! Dum 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 dum. You know. And my oppo- some of my opponents go, I like this guy. He's great. And other guys are like, this guy is weird. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a little how I've described you if we have new people come to Passel and you're coming. <laughs> just, like, just keep your hands away <laughs> from his teeth. Yeah, he's eating. Yeah, but it is a roller coaster ride. It is. It is. And if you can't have fun, just why are you doing it, right? Yeah. And it is just a heck of a lot of fun. And I, I feel, of course, the same way about role playing. I said to <clears> someone the other night, was that you, Jeff? Uh, was, was Why I does the, the rest room? of the world not discover this? <laughs> oh, yeah. The it's, fun of cooperative storytelling yeah. through role-playing. It's hard to believe that people don't enjoy it, that everybody doesn't enjoy it. Yeah. Maybe they don't, I don't think they really know what it is or have experienced it. or. Well, it's so easy to adapt to. I've, I've been doing D&D since it first came out in the three books and everything. That's right. Now, you were – your background here, and we have to get this on the oh, air. Okay. You were in Wisconsin? <clears throat> uh, let's see. Well, I picked up – Gaming and stuff when I was a freshman, so that was back in what 70, 72, you know, somewhere around there. And I had a group that we played regular D and D. I mean, this is a time when you're just you you're doing graph paper and the twenty sided dice were plastic, and you used a crayon to color in the numbers and all that kind of stuff. And then we went to the tactical studies hall and stuff. We'd all pile in a car and and we met Gygax and. Dave Anderson, and they were just a bunch of geeky guys, too, hanging out there play, playing chainmail, and D&D was just now starting to take over. So you flash forward playing D&D into that all through your years, and I played chess and some other games, and and then I got into, let's see, to Avalon Hill War Games, and then just loved all that from Africa Corps to, oh gosh, to Panzer Blitz and stuff, and that. Ta-da! Like, I mean, like a shining spotlight from the sky struck down, and there was Squad Leader. Wow, this is cool. <laughs> the ultimate. The ultimate. And yeah. So, but, um, yeah, I've been doing that. <laughs> and, and speaking of Dungeons & Dragons. But but it was Gary Gygax. It was Gary Gygax. Oh, yeah, you can't miss the Gygax guy. Um, and his daughter, I think it was Heidi or something. Real tall chick. She was she was kind of funny. But anyway, that's another story. Can't put it on here. Um, we had um, played in some of the tournaments out there, and at one point our group was getting very good. So we had to go up into, into the Gen Cons when they were starting up there in Geneva and the yep. Horticultural yep. Hall. And if you, there is a book that some guy put out. I think his name is Peterson. It's called Playing at the Worlds. And it's a history of wargaming from miniatures to D&D and stuff. I mean, he does a, a tremendous job. This guy must have been nothing but a data geek or something. In there, I, and I had a friend who found this, and he said, hey, guess what? On page 564, or whatever whatever number he had out there, he says, 
you're listed in that book as oh. the winning fighter of the of the D and D tournament that this Bob Blake and his society group put together. And I go, I remember that. <laughs> So you are also part of this. So, yeah, I got, I got. It's yeah. The, uh, I'm a, uh, my name is a, a small little blurb on a page in a book that nobody reads. But hey, but I do have. You're that. there. You're immortal. <laughs> you do have that at least. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, I loved talking with. Remember that night you first told me all that stuff at my house, and I was like, oh, "Really? That's crazy." Tell me more about that. Oh yes, yes. those would have been fun days. Oh, I. I when I can live my life over, when I finally build my time machine, I've been working on it. Mm. I'm going to go back and relive those days and play D and D right from the beginning. Is yeah, that what you got back here? Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's it's coming is. along. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, hmm. it's big. I thought it was like modern art, but yeah, like, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. very good. Yeah, it's getting there. Problem is, it sucks a lot of energy. <laughs> Yeah, the the FBI came by. I thought he was growing pot. Hypochondriacs. Hypochondriacs. No. Oh, no. Hydroponics. Hydroponics. Yeah. <laughs> Say that three times after you drink a beer. Speaking of which, you're, what are you drinking in t- for tonight's brew? Well, oh, for tonight we are having a celebratory drink. And to, and this particular brand is a, a vintage probably after 2012. It's Smitty Town. Smitty Town. Yes, it has a nice amberish gold look. It doesn't have too much of a foamy head and does have a bit of a bite, so I like it. And I think that comes from Evanston, Illinois, one of our local breweries. And I have my my Coke Zero with cherry tonight. From Culver's. And, well, actually, that had a Diet Pepsi when I was at Culver's. Did Feed My Starving Children today. Put a plug in for that. Eric, you know about that. Yes. um, Why are your children starving? (laughs) Because he's spending all his money at Culver's. God's starving children. Hey, but a lot of people go there. It is Christian-based, but it is for anybody. And uh, the bikers they do, do a lot too. Crazy, yeah, they do great. Half the people there are secular or, or atheist, whatever. And they, uh, the packing, the whole thing, your, you know, the, the production, the feeding, really, really feels good to get that crate made of food. You know, yeah, you get, you give you like these large, big bags, and they fill it full of stuff, like, like a shake and bake kind of godly yeah. good. And it's supposed to have all the proteins and vitamins that a starving Ethiopian kid would eat and not die, you know, and stuff. And it's something easy for them to ship. To ship. And usually got like 30 or 40 people. We're all wearing higher nets and we're shaking this stuff around and just goofing off and everything else, preparing this stuff to be packed and loaded. And you, you feed a kid for like a year, I think, by the wow. time you're done in a two-hour shift. So oh, it's yeah. really a great thing. So it's not just, you're not just... To- Packing up canned goods and oh, no, stuff no. like that. You're this actually stuff is making easier. stuff. Oh, it's easier oh, to I ship. And well, it's, yeah, it's you're highly com- combining the ingredients and oh, sealing the packages. Oh, interesting. And I have a Dasani water for like in the middle or, or maybe after. I have oh, the, you are that'll, the what again, Jeff? A crazy, <laughs> little crazy. Then a little Maker's Mark, which oh. I've dipped into already. I, I got this for him last time. I, I don't think it's that good. Dave really doesn't like it. Which it takes uh, a discriminating palate, uh, which would explain why I don't. Well, it seemed a little smoother this week. Aged? I think you were a little under the weather last time. I think time. I had a sore throat last yeah. time. Yeah. Something wrong well, with your past. Golly, guys, should we just talk for the whole... Should we talk about ASL? Hey, now? folks, this, yeah. I want to point out 80% of this banter was gaming ASL-related, so don't send us those emails complaining about the banter. Yeah, we get a lot of those emails telling us to Actually, to we, die. We, get, we get many more die. saying keep up the banter. So... People write and say, I, oh, I can't man. stop listening listening to you, but I really don't like it. <laughs> I listen every month, and I really don't like it, but I'm never going to stop. Oh, I could come up with a line for that. <laughs> so it's yeah. time for, should we let Eric, Eric say 
Oh, yes. Okay. What time is it? It's time for What's in the Box? And in the box this week, boys and girls. Wait a minute. I can't help but notice you don't have a box. <laughs> Probably why we couldn't where, see it. Where, what, in this, in this where, plastic folder that... Full I, disclosure here. And that's because this is a publicly held uh, company. All right. We were only kidding about radio. the box portion, but yeah. we have a product. It's a historical product called ASL Journal Number 1. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. What came out before this? Uh... <laughs> Ah, yes. What did come out before journals? Uh, Eric, trivia? Uh, ooh. No, yeah, I, defer, I, know I, you're, I know you're new to the... Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm still getting on the... Uh, what is it, the uh, upfront? No, no, ASL. Anals. Annuals. Not the anals. <laughs> the, 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 an, the anals. The anal Thank you. Thank you. Gosh, that's so bad. Wait. Fill me in, Eric. How long have you been playing ASL, though? Oh, you yeah, haven't been not... playing since the beginning of no, this. No, let's see. Right? Uh, okay, real quick. Uh, yeah, real quick. Picked up Too squad late. leader. Time's up. <laughs> that was nice. Thank you. Okay. No. No, <laughs> was, go on. Was yeah. Squad leader for a few years, had a good group, uh, okay. and then it disappeared. So we'll say about five years. I went through about Crescendo of Doom, and that's where we stopped. And then everybody got married, found that girls are more interesting, blah, 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 blah. And then the thing just kind of dissipated. Now fast track to about 2008 or nine. Um, I picked up. Ran into somebody at a game store was playing Flames of War, the miniature. Oh yeah, thing. oh yeah. And yeah. I got into a game and I said, and I, and the thing I hated is when you're playing up there, the Russians have hundreds of tanks, the Germans have just a few tanks. It's all a point system, but it's the the maximum range. It says, well, all tanks are 45 inches. I says, no, German sides will shoot farther than that. I should be able to plank half of those guys off before you even get within range of shooting. That's the quality versus quantity thing. Right. And he goes, well, that's in the rules. I said, well, the rules suck. <laughs> So we came up there, and he says, well, what are you, one of these squad leader guys? Squad leader? And that's when somebody pulled out, advanced squad leader. And then, like everyone else, I saw the rule book, and I go, I do not have a degree in, yeah. in, the, you know, in like, pre-law to even begin to go through this. Yeah. It would be like pre-law. Oh, yeah. But, as always, it's just like, the, it's like anything else. Once you learn the mechanics, you just apply the rules that, that go with the particular scenario you have. After that, don't worry about the rest of it until right. it shows up. Yeah. And it just started off. It's no harder than learning, like, Chinese, Mandarin Chinese, for instance, or um, brain surgery. Brain surgery. Hmm. Back well, to reality. Anyway, and back to Dave, who's holding up the ASL So, yeah, after the journal annuals ended, yeah. MMP took over, started the journal. There'll be a note about that and hear from Kurt Schilling. Notice the advertisement on the inside cover. Action Pack 2, Tarawa, Bridge Too Far, and Journal 2. Ooh, I'm going to order those. Kakazu Ridge. That was the one by Dan Dolan. I was just reading it, getting ready for their next mm-hmm. show. Our yeah. friend, as, as we like to call him, our friend. Ah, our very dear who friend, we interviewed Dan once, Dolan. never yeah. met, and is our friend. Is our very dear there friend. You go. And then we have Urban Gorillas, a scenario that I remember enjoying a lot. Urban Gorillas, very good friends of mine. Yeah. Anybody Deep with Shelling. bourbon, yes. And another Battling Buckeyes about that Ohio regiment right mm-hmm. uh pete shelling and then we'll really dive in here to smoke gets in your eyes by tom huntington that's a nice song i i think yeah. i and um i think we covered some of these tactics when we did smoke but i'm gonna re- review them here on tonight's show um okay. so 
great article. It's got his little sidebar types of smoke, but of course Wonderful. we have this in the in a chart right with the game, and uh, I put some notes and let's see if they were worthwhile. Mm. Oh, remember that there is a if you get enough smoke hindrance equal to a certain amount, you would lose your line of sight. It would be a block totally. Do anyone remember that number? Ooh, I'm, you know, the number six is coming to mind. That and, is correct. Yeah. It, knowledge gained from this wonderful show. <laughs> Boy, I should start listening. And you can use smoke in mud. Oh, you can't use it in mud or deep snow, by the way, listeners. Mm. Nor does it have any effect in fog. Can't see the smoke in the fog. <laughs> and ocean. Uh, uh, water obstacles. Yeah. Heavy winds and rain immediately remove smoke from the board. Hmm. Now, I think that's something I forget often, but I don't think I've ever had smoke out when it started raining. No. I yeah, I mean, we don't have that often, though we did the other night. Rain? You know, oh, well, just a weather change, wind change, for instance. Oh, we had the gusts. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah. Now, Smoke adds a plus one line of sight to anyone inside a smoke-filled location. Mm -hmm. A little reminder of that. And here's down further on this first page. Thus, ordnance smoke always starts at a base level. But since smoke grenades can be heaved around in upper floors, their base level would be measured from the building level in which they were placed. Yeah. Huh. Easy to transport. Yeah, I never think about that. Infantry smoke grenades can be thrown inside a building, even when environmental conditions say it's too nasty to use smoke outdoors. Mm-hmm. It's probably considered rude, though, he adds. God, I can love this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My true love was This is darn good, man. I'm telling you, you can't beat a classic. We we got to let him at least get through. Oh, we could keep him low in the background. Jeff, can I have this dance? (laughs) I would be honored. Can I lead? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is your foxhole. No, actually, you should lead because I'm not wearing pants. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. Now you know it's true. There's a lot of stuff you can't touch in this foxhole, and that's, that's one of them. Oh, boy. Now, if a unit were at a level two... Don't talk about my unit. <laughs> ...and had smoke at its base level, the smoke would hinder line of sight to a lower level. Because there was this debate about, well, if the smoke goes to level two and I'm on level two, is my line of sight blocked going straight across? And the answer is... Uh, no, you know, no, because you would, Ye, no. it plateaus kind of like on a yes. like on a hill. But if I'm shooting down, now you're crossing into it. Yes, like into down into an adjacent hex, or is there I, some sort you know, of? No, uh, I, I think they leave it at down. They don't down. do it by distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. If your line of uh, if you're drawing a line of sight and it's going crossing through it. And, you, and the target is a lower level. Yeah, then it's crossing then it's through crossing. the smoke. Okay, no matter how far out on the horizon it is or whatever. I guess they have to make that. It gets too far out on the yeah. horizon, you'd be lucky to see it anyway with the well, smoke. Well, that's true. Away. It's out of that's, Yeah. And he does point out, it's a tactical thing. Do you ever use smoke to slow down your enemy? Slow them down? Sure, why not? Have you? Have I? 
to slow man up. Um, I have not. I, I'm going to say yes because you said no. <laughs> Can't be logic like and, that. And but how can I, you... I've only seen smoke personally used, not as a deterrent, but as a cover for advance. Not very many for your own use. guys. Exactly, and you know, which is another point to bring up. When I was in the army, our tanks had the smoke dispensers, and we had smoke rounds and everything else in my M60. When we used smoke, we would never use it as a something to use to advance. You'd use it basically to block the thing so you can get the heck out of there or do some kind of maneuvering. Because, you know, you don't want the enemy to know you're coming by shooting some smoke in there. Oh, yeah. You're just going to start firing into, into the it. smoke. Yeah, willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, but, yeah, he's pointing out since it adds plus one to the movement cost, right, to go into smoke. Right. If your enemy has to make an exit off the board... I have never considered. No, yeah, that's yeah. a good tactic. Yeah. Gotta... I, it's possible. I, seriously, it's possible. I have used it for that. You think so? Yeah. Inadvertently. Probably. <laughs> you know, if they have to exit from a yeah, you know, from especially from a road hex. Question. You can easily nail that with smoke. Is the movement penalty also in conjunction with the terrain cost? Yes. Well, there you go. The plus one. Well, I t- I one thing I did do, I, and I did this the other night because. My tank didn't have enough firepower and didn't have armor piercing. I could not penetrate your front armor. But you were coming at me with a tank. Oh, the T-34s versus the Zrinis? Yes. I thought there's, what else can I do? What what else can I do but fire smoke? I I couldn't move out of the way. I couldn't start up because I knew you would vaporize me. So the only thing I could do was put smoke in the street. Well, yeah, and you did. And And you did. did. Well, that's a a definitely defensive measure. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little frustrating. It did. It did cost me. Brilliant move, the hallet maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> yes, blast is using the hallet maneuver. I give up. I can't stand the Americans. They keep using this hallet. Find me the manual on hallet maneuver. Give it to me now. <laughs> and then they have uh, infantry smoke. He talks about in this article. He says, but if, if you have a higher exponent, even a two, you should consider how you could use smoke to modify your strategy. Only full squads are allowed a smoke exponent. Half squads in their chaotic state aren't. Well, I don't know. I don't remember ever meaning reading a footnote saying because a half squad's chaotic, chaotic that they didn't yeah, have smoke. But infantry can attempt to throw it once in their movement phase and, and the smoke dissipates at the end. Croy de Guerre saw the advent of smoke counters with trivia. Anyone know the difference? Ooh. Oh, different kind of smoke counters? Different color. Oh, different color. The green. green. The green. Yeah, the green one. To, to remind you, clue, you to take it off. Take it off the after the Very good. Yeah. Before that, it was a black ink. Make note to myself. Green, take off. Yep, yep. Remind you to take it off. Got it. Got it. In case you're not paying attention. If you... Combine movement factor cost of throwing smoke with a plus one movement factor for throwing for moving into smoke. It becomes difficult for a squad to safely throw smoke to cover its own advance. My question answered officially. Yeah. The movement factor cost is easier to bear if a leader stacks with the squad tactics here for you folks. Also consider declaring double time. Mm-hmm. Well, so are they saying if a squad, let's clarify this for the people that don't know. Mm-hmm. Squad has a movement factor of four. Mm-hmm. He throws smoke in an adjacent hex. That costs two. Two. And then tries to move into it. Costs two. Two. That's your whole move. Can you assault move if you use all your movement factors? No. 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 Got to have something left over. Yeah. That's related so to that's his later fine. point we were discussing earlier, I think. Okay. Problem is, is if you go double time, 
does that affect the smoke exponent? Oh, yes. It does. So the key there it is lowers you throw it. the smoke first, and then you take a late CX. Oh. That way you can get in. Okay. By Jove, I believe he's got something there. It's, it's another Hallett maneuver. <laughs> I'll just pour myself another whiskey. <laughs> Let you guys catch up. I have you not told me about this other page of the Hallett maneuver. I do not know nothing. Nothing. <laughs> so it would actually lower your smoke exponent by one. I don't think I remember that. Right. I don't think I use I, that. I, rule. I always forget that. Well, I don't know. That I how often are serious guys throwing smoke? Though usually you want that fast. So I would just not. like to be the type of person to remember to use smoke in the first there place. There you go. <laughs> I'm getting better with that by virtue. Is that the right term? No. Just because I play with Rich Spilkey a lot, and he's very good with smoke. Yeah. He knows when to use smoke. Yeah. He's whipping it out all the time. I'm and he uses smoke. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting much better. I think. You know, back on the tanks, we'd call guys using smoke cowards. <laughs> I'll bet. Yeah. Now, what is the deal with assault engineers? Anyone know what that rule does? You know, well, down in chapter H, raises the smoke exponent. Ooh, there's that. Yeah. Yes. By two. two By late. two. So it goes up to. Usually, I guess. Yeah, yeah. often it's okay. often it's one. No, but okay. you can keep excited because if you think about the eight three eight assault engineers, they yeah. start with a. They start with a three. Oh, that's and right. And if yes, goes up to a five. Or, or, three. Yeah, the plus eight, two I'm is sorry, five. just the eight three eights. They have a three. So if yeah. if they're designated assault <clears throat> engineers, yeah, yeah, then it goes up to five. A five that's is barely. really good. They raid the supply closet. Air, grab all those boxes. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Now you can throw smoke while doing an assault move. As we kind of just discussed, remember you must declare your assault moving before any movement factors are expended. So it does a squad no good to attempt smoke and base its plan for assault movement on the success or failure. Timing is everything. Yeah. Yes, you have to have full disclosure on that one in advance. Now here's a slick trick, the Ooh. author says. <laughs> it must be a hallet maneuver. That's that. And Jeff and I talked about this, I think, before you got in here, Eric. Okay. What? Okay, so if you're currently out of sight, a concealed squad and leader could assault move. Squad and leader, Mm -hmm. assault move, play smoke in an open ground hex, and move into that hex while staying concealed. Well, that's six movement points, right? Right. They move out one. They play smoke adjacent two. That's three. That's three points. And then into it, that's five. That's right. less than their six movement factors. Mm-hmm. But they're concealed. They stay concealed because they're then moving. See, that's the trick, as he says, if you're out of line of sight when you're starting to move and concealed, right. this would work. Well, it's probably, yeah, you would sneak around through the trees or through the building because you'd have to have some type of concealment so you wouldn't lose... Your, I mean, concealment terrain, so you wouldn't lose concealment before you'd spent the points to toss the smoke grenades. I mean, because if you're out in the open and you do a, an assault move and you're within line of sight, don't you lose your concealment? Yes. I'm thinking that's... So that's where if you place the smoke... Oh, he's saying... Yeah, so, so let's say you're in a woods hex mm-hmm. and you're concealed. Right. So you would... And where are you going? If you're out of line of sight... Yeah. You're out of line of sight in a woods hex. You could assault say move, adjacent into a road. Play smoke in an open ground hex. You can't play. 
You can't do that. You'd have you can't to place do this. the smoke first because you have to create the, the concealment type of terrain, i.e. the smoke, in order for you to sneak into. Because, I mean, you, you go sneaking out. In the, you, how are you going to be remain concealed? If you're within 16 hexes of a, of a good ordered unit, you bink, they see you. But you can move first and then place smoke. <clears throat> you That's can, but then you can't. But you would then have the move into moving, the smoke. If you're if you're moving into an, an open hex while you're concealed, that's a non-concealment. If you're within that range, you're you're. you're but you're if not, you're if you're out of line of sight, you're, well, if you're orig- you if you start it. originally out of line of sight right. and you're going into the open hex, which could be in the line of sight. Oh, we're well, assuming that the open hex is in the line of sight of the enemy. Sure, then you'd lose concealment. Yeah, so you probably want to move up, toss the smoke. You know, using the assault move because if we're assuming that you're going from one wood hex into another wood hex, so you're using that terrain in the hex and you're still concealed, so you don't lose your concealment. Spend the points to toss the smoke. Smoke goes up, and then you assault with whatever movement points you got in left. Can you assault? Hex. But he's got a two hex move. Can you assault move with two hexes if it's less than your movement points? I guess you could. Is this what he's saying? Let Hear us it ask again. the. Uh, with, <laughs> Leader? Leader. Squad. squad. Six moon points. We already added up. He's only moving five. Right. He's saying you move one hex, right. throw smoke, mm-hmm. and then move into that. So you're technically moving two hexes with an assault move. I don't think I ever, Listen, ever well, thought you could do that. Why don't we pull up the uh, master rule book? Because I'm not sure if assault move has to be declared and then you just move into it. Or as long as you have less, still have some points left over after you move into the hex, that can still be considered an assault. You know, because you could, an, you assault could move like, is one hex. No, is one it specified location. as one hex? I think it just says less than your normal Who move. Who wrote this article? Well, he's, I guess he's a pretty smart guy. He wrote an article. We'll, Tom Huntington. Okay. <laughs> Let's call him. Tom must be in a disco. <laughs> Ooh, I love the mirror ball. That's the... That's the <laughs> That was the best I could do for Well, nor- normally, Eric, we don't consult the rule book when we run into these quandaries. Yeah. We just leave it up to someone else to do that and post a comment. And post a comment on the right. thing. And a lot of times we will tell but, people that we'll check on here, that, but we don't. We'll step. Yeah. We'll tell them we, we never check do we that. Never. We have to. Oh, and another thing. Let's see. This is where the Facebook community comes in so well on that one. There's a guy named Klaus. Oh, yeah. I think I know. I go to Klaus. I, Santa Klaus? Yeah. Yeah. yeah him, him, too. But um, every time there's a. A question. It's him and one other guy that pop up there, and we'll be playing. I'll say, wait a minute, let me get Facebook up there. Hey, he's on. Hey, this is the situation. What do you think? And, you know, you're typing, banging away. Sorry about the banging. Um, banging away, give him the question, and this guy pops up, and I'm telling you, he must have a database or just be a... A brain. That's a, a brain. Da- database. And just, bink, and he even pulls up the Perry Says... Oh. You know, for the erotic <laughs> stuff and everything. And it says, well, yeah, while right. Jeff is looking, I'm going to go into this. Okay. Throwing smoke into the street, mm-hmm. two movement factors. Dashing into the smoke-filled street, two movement factors. Right. And making it into the cover across the street, two movement factors, is expensive. A squad would either need to be moving with a leader or declare double time. Right. There's also a Q&A that says you can't hesitate in the road during a dash and throw smoke. I guess I never got that specific. So I guess if so somebody can't, took a shot at you... You can't move dash into the street, street throw smoke, smoke right. and then go into the building or whatever. That kind of defeats you're not, the meaning of the dash. Then you're, not, <laughs> yeah, then you're slowing down. Yeah. Dash, wait a minute, stop, put the smoke. Okay, now go. Yeah, so that's the logic behind that, folks. Gosh, I hate logic. It just keeps messing with everything I want to do. 
I thought I would check the uh, chat room that I set up, the ASL chat room. Oh, very good room, I might add. I'm... But there's nobody in there right now. <laughs> oh. Got to remind everybody. If oh, yeah, say it now. We'll, we'll link it up. Well, I set up a chat room in, at slack.com, a persistent chat room. Well, it's with multiple channels in it. So mm-hmm. people can go in there and you can chat live. So it's a little more immediate than Facebook or, um, oh, I said, um. I said That's, I wasn't going to. Did you mark that one down? <sighs> this is the episode where Jeff doesn't say um. <laughs> Game Squad. Oh, just so a, a little shot. more immediate. Uh, you can go in there and you can chat with people. I, like I woke up at 5 a.m. the other morning and I went in there and there was a guy in there from Montreal and a guy from Italy and we had a little chit-chat. And wow, very nice. Served mimosas. Yeah, yeah which, I'm was, which was kind of nice. Yeah, my buddies out there, in fact, members of my ASL Southwest Outpost Facebook page. Hello, Mr. Kwan. Oh, is yeah. he a member? Mm-hmm. Oh, Jackson yeah, Kwan, yeah. There's yes. a few of them I got up there. I got, uh, let's see, uh, a couple Montreal guys from Texas. Oh, oh, my goodness. I told him he's, he's the head of our, um, you know, Southeast Asia Bureau Office. Right. South, he's in the Southeast Outpost of the Southwest. That outpost just keeps getting yes. farther and yeah. farther. Yes, it does. Well, we will take a break and look that up. Please stand by, everybody. is back in session. We adjourned for a moment. We took a recess. We took a short recess. Je- uh, Dave played on the Jungle Gems. Yeah. Eric, Eric went down for a nap and then had some Salerno butter cookies, and now we're back. <laughs> and the That's verdict like, is? Yes. We think this guy is incorrect in this Because the rule example. states? The world rule sta- states very, very explicitly Ooh. a assault movement, a non-berserk infantry unit mm. that remains... Infantry throughout its movement phase <laughs> can't jump on a horse. Moves less than or equal to one location during movement phase. Yes, it's okay. It's to... one location. Yeah, you can only move one location. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. So we, we think you're wrong, but we think you're I'm, wrong. Maybe it'll come up in a. What if else. we're the first ones to discover that? Wouldn't that be cool? We, that you would know, be we'll amazing. The Hallett discovery. <laughs> God, the Hallett. How many pages are in this Hallett book? This Hallett. He is a genius. He may not have his name on a counter, counter yet, but boy, is he smart. He needs to play test for that. Um, so he goes on to talk about white phosphorus, and he says, you know, it's got a less of a hindrance thing, and there's some problems with it, so why bother? Well, here, why? The hindrance uh, rises four levels instead of two. Well, look at that. I always well, forget that. And white phosphorus, of course, causes morale check. That's a good reason. Irritation. Eye and skin irritation of all kinds. Kind of like one of my ex-wives. Now it is a <laughs> yeah. now it is a normal morale check with all terrain modifiers counting as negative daryl modifiers and all leader modifiers applying as usual, but any morale check, whether passed or failed, causes an already broken unit to become really broken. DM <laughs> and oh. also causes a hip or concealed unit to become unconcealed. No longer hip. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> 
You're no longer hip. You're very uncool. <laughs> there you go with those negative waves again, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> and a white phosphorus grenade attack that rolls a six hmm. on the color of the morale check causes people to take a dump. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay. I think Eric's presence is lowering the quality of the show here, Jeff. What 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 possessed you to say that? <laughs> oh, you gotta we'll love to, this foxhole, we'll baby. We'll have, to, we'll have to mark this show as not suitable for younger yeah, audiences. Yeah. My children are gonna be listening to this in the G thirteen. This will be the first one. To take a critical hit morale check, right? Holy it's a critical cow. hit. That's how you do the critical hit with the white phosphorus. Remember, if you get the six on the die. A critical hit morale check? It doubles the. What, the modifier? The number? TEM becomes a positive on the morale check. So normally your TEM protects you. Right. Oh, right? okay, reverses. I get and it. now it's a positive, so you got to roll less than your morale, and you're adding plus three for a stone building. Oh, jeez. Because the guy threw the white phosphorus and got a six on the colored. It's a hard one to remember. The six on the colored makes the white phosphorus morale check a critical hit, which makes it a positive dire modifier. TEM, it doesn't double anything. TEM protects you from white phosphorus? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, you toss a grenade at us. We're here in the foxhole. We get the plus four. Yeah, Except for right orders, right? We get a neg four. You invert it, neg four on our morale checks. Yeah. So if I got to smell that stuff, oh. you're darn right. I'm going to have a yeah. neg four. Hmm. That would help you a lot, Jeff. With my morale no of eleven, <laughs> yes. I, I don't need it. Yeah, it's right here. On my, we both have eleven. Oh my, that's yeah. right. There it is. Yeah, how, how stylish I'm the I Who's going to answer? Who's going to argue with a t-shirt? So that's how that that works. Then. Hmm. There's more? There's more. I told oh. you we're going to fill up a whole show just with this annual because we got so many tact pieces of tactical advice, one of which we thought was incorrect. But you can also fire smoke to slow down your opponent. We did that. Entering smoke. Okay, we did that. When firing smoke at a concealed unit, the plus two for fire versus concealed still applies. Mm-hmm. This strips away a little of the player's omniscience. To avoid the plus two dyro modifier... Here you go. Ready for this? I'm ready. Fire instead at the hex in front of the concealed unit. Dun, dun, dun. What? Yeah, because you're still going to block his line of sight shooting across oh. that hex. Yeah. Instead of in his hex, you don't get the extra plus one for being in smoke, but you may hit him as opposed to miss him because of the plus two con- for concealed. Yeah, remember, you, you're oh, shooting a 40-foot 40, 40 wide hex or 40-meter 40, 40 hex. You, know, you, wanna, you have to concentrate the smoke somewhere. Yeah, it doesn't have to be right on him. I like it on, on him because of the extra plus one, but... If you have a plus two to hit and you miss because of that, may not be worth it. Now, vehicles and smoke. Oh, one of my favorite topics. Nearing <laughs> Which one, vehicles or smoke? Uh, or vehicles both, especially both. if you ever have to take your car to the emissions testing station. Oh, yeah. It's been a while. Do you know they pass people on that based on what they perceive as their income level? N- yeah. No, no I'm kidding. serious. They've run some studies and... Uh, they found, discovered that a lot of times a person will go in and with this beater car, you know, and they obviously don't have any money. And, they, of course, they fail. And then the guys working there, are they rich? No. It's, they're sympathetic, and they've been passing Unbelievable. people. Well, okay, I'm going to pass you this time, but next time try and get that fixed because they figure they can't afford to go. They just feel bad for them. 
which is a nice thing. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Dave's Expose Corner. It was a whole podcast on, I think it was Planet Money, why decisions are made. Yeah. I see. Yeah. And, and so you can make bad decisions because it's easier to look at the little picture in front of you than the big picture you can't quite see. Can you imagine? It was all about that and God. economics and, too, and how we do that. Mayor Emanuel's probably going right through there now. He says, we're letting money get out of the way. I want to <laughs> stop that stuff right now. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's a fine, though, if you fail, is it? Mm, it's just no, uh, you it's have no, to repair but, it. Yeah. What it is is you have to go now, thanks to my friend I know who does cars and stuff, and he oh. does this, that if you fail the emissions, that you have to take it now to a certified... Okay, well, mechanic mm-hmm. that has got his stamp of approval or paid for whatever he did through the state. Oh, so that the work is done because they got too many guys like Joe's. I'll fix your car, you know, and and you send it back and it keeps failing, keeps failing. But the point is, is when you send it to these places, instead of somebody trying to fix it, you know, who might be your brother-in-law who's a mechanic that works there yeah you can't do it because you have to bring the receipt to prove that you went to one of these places uh-huh. and of course they give you the low low price of double whatever happens yeah, to be on the course. paper yeah well having dispersed smoke as your opponent approached you can also attempt to go into motion this is what we were thinking about the other night jeff with those zrinis versus the t-34s right mm-hmm. uh you can go into motion with good rolls. You could suddenly increase your opponents to hit dire modifiers by as much as four. Plus two smoke, plus two motion. Of course, like squirting an ink cloud in one direction and running in the other. I should have done that. Made I a could, motion I, attempt. I could have made a motion You're right. attempt as you rolled up. Yeah, you oh, but you I were defensive firing. Oh, yeah, but you still could. Yeah. Well... Oh, he's talking about also there's smoke dispensers, too, mm-hmm. and other ways of doing right. smoke. Pop you can do in your movement right phase. Yeah. Chapter F tells us how armed vehicles can use vehicular smoke grenades, which was a new with um, the desert rules. Rich did that to me. He actually used the roll on you? He used those things. He used half-track. For, we were playing that one scenario called the professionals where – you got the Yugoslavian kids that are training, and here comes the guys. Uh-huh. You got to try to get across the bridge or something, right? So here I got my guys, and I'm the little kids in there, and we got the machine gun and stuff. What does he do? He rolls the darn half track up, goes one, two, and I go, What's a half track going to do? Pop some smoke. Here comes the troops going around there. Like, oh, yep, yep, it's right here. <laughs> a crew can lay a half inch smoke counter, much as infantry does, by making a die roll less than or equal to two if crew exposed, mm-hmm. or less than or equal to one if an unarmored vehicle. Or buttoned-up open-top vehicle. Okay, next game we're going to use that. Yeah. Well, and that's how That's a great one. He's thinking of those vehicles as able to rarely lay smoke, but possible. Right. Yeah. So he has to get across that bridge. Yeah. That's right. So, you know, it used to be you get all these half-tracks. So what am I going to do with these things? More than likely you're running around trying to keep them from getting shot up by somebody's machine. Exactly. And you can actually just go over there, okay, run over here, pop a smoke, and he runs over there. Yeah. And the next one next to it, pop a smoke and stuff, and they just lay this nice little smoke screen in front of you so your troops can rush up. Yeah. Yeah, we need to use smoke better. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, if it rolls a six, it does not end its move, which it would if infantry were trying smoke. Yeah. A vehicular smoke grenade can only be dropped in your current hex and not thrown in an adjacent hex, but it can be placed during your opponent's movement phase. You're allowed to use vehicular smoke grenades or a smoke dispenser. But not both. During your opponent's movement phase, you can use vehicular smoke? Yeah, we can use the smoke ah. dispenser. Right. That one I know. I think you defensive fired smoke when my tanks pulled up. Or you prepped smoke. 
Yes. Wait, you but, shot the enemy tank with a smoke round? Yeah, because he couldn't yeah. kill me from the front. <coughs> That's I couldn't genius. I, I love it. right now. down the street at him. Yeah. That's just like Kelly's Heroes where he shot the the tiger in the butt with those paint bellies. Yeah, with yeah. the paint. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wow. That's bad. You learned something great. You guys are wonderful. Well, to be honest, Tim Huntington is mostly wonderful. Oh, we'll take the credit. Except Tom, for the uh, assault move. Yeah, thanks a lot for that one. Cost me an entire game, John. Yeah. <laughs> And then in these magazines, they have these nice little tips from the trenches. Tips from the trenches. Here you go. Don't try what we suggested in a tip in the <laughs> ASL Annual 97. Wow. Having your ex-riders use advancing fire after bailing out. Further fire in that player turn is playing out as per rule 6.42, section D. So they made a mistake on that one, I guess. I guess we're going to see another updated mistake thing on the next yeah. journal. I yeah, guess, probably. For the smoke probably. one. A Sunday stroll. ASL J3, Wet Sahawaz J4. That's easy for you looks to like say. desert, but it's oh, okay. not. I have not oh, no, it's, desert it's uh, PTO. Yeah, desert. oh, PTO. You're right, Java. Yeah. And then another article take, we'll take a little more time on. Uh, what to do if you have a tin can? Get an opener. Yeah. By David Ollie. And I think he makes that joke in there in the beginning. Um,. So what is he talking about there, a tin can? What's that? What's a tin can? How would you define a, a tin, tin can, can, Eric? You want to take a shot at that? A lightly armored tank. <laughs> That's part, part of it? And what else? Uh, half track. Well, oh. no, he's going to keep with tanks. Okay. But what else about the tank that would make it cruddy? Uh, weak main armament? Mm-hmm. Yeah, weak main armament, yeah. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, like I took the, that from you. Well, you did. Well, you, it just was such uh, a, sorry. a great answer. And, but one thing about it, an example of a beautiful tin can out there... For our lovely British that decided to build a Matilda and put a two-pounder gun in it. Hey, that worked out real good, didn't it? Was that a problem? I forget what that Yeah, that was really great because it was so under, the gun was so underpowered. You had this monstrosity of a, of a well-armored the... thing, this, like these Matildas that come rolling in there. And it had like a slingshot. A little pea shooter. Yeah. yeah, it's like ping, ping. And all, you know, the German Panzer threes just race around. They would do circles. And... Yeah, I haven't played a Matilda in a while with all those desert games. Uh, he says in his intro, well, kind of into page one, finally, uh, though I heartily recommend reading the Chapter H vehicle notes for any vehicle before beginning play, it's often a good idea to try to ignore some of the editorial comments. For example, when you read that the Italian L4 slash L5 was called the Casa da Morta, Death Box. <laughs> the yeah. Death Box, yes. It's bound death to put house. you off your game a bit. However, when playing Italian Brothers, A72, or three Italian L3 35s are faced with nothing more potent than a machine gun. Well, they can be a nasty bit of business for the other side, although even they could also wind up being grist for the CVP mill. It all depends on the circumstances. And I thought, it's a pretty well-written article, actually, David. Mm -hmm. David Ali, who I've never met. And he lists five things. Slow movement could be a tin can. Now, not one of these would make you a tin can, as Eric was just pointing out. Weak armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Main, weak main armament. Yeah. Matilda. Yeah. Does that little R in a circle remind you of anything? Oh, no radios. Radioless. Oh, radioless. <laughs> it yes. is the Russian way of saving money on yeah. the you know, defensive budget. Well, and they probably couldn't get them to work. Uh, they probably had them. But... Well, they probably only had one guy who knew how to work. Yeah. You know? <laughs> hey, I even watch this button. I don't take a hammer and I whack it like this and make noise. 
He's calling it low-tech, number four. Now, under this setting, I place a number of technical or mechanical failings. Mechanical unreliability. Ooh. Remember that one with the red oh, yeah, numbers? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, a 1MT. One-man turret. Uh, no radio. Uh, low ammo breakdown. Many AFE, even late war vehicles, will fall short in one of these categories. For example, the American M18 GMC Hellcat has only a three armor on the front and one on the sides. But it's got a great name. It does. <laughs> Here comes a Hellcat. I'm frightened. <laughs> I'm frightened. No, no. <laughs> Plus, it's open top to boot. Now, not good. But in compensation, the Hellcat's the fastest fully tracked AFV in the game. There we go. And it also has a good gun and small t- is a small target. So you can probably retreat quicker than anybody else. It's like the Matrix. <laughs> it, does these, like, it does these fast little things. You shoot at it, it goes, and the shells go flying by. And he says... It's, you should, I, for those listeners that weren't here in the foxhole, that was, that was a great special effect. How about that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so having one bad characteristic is not usually sufficient to raid an armored abandoned vehicle is a tin can. Now, the true tin cans are those that come under two, three, or even, heaven help us, all four categories. A vehicle may have multiple failings under low tech. As an example, consider the Russian T-26. Not an uncommon vehicle in the game. It rates as a tin can. It has 11 movement points, just one higher than a, the threshold given for the category. Uh, for armor, it has a three. Ooh. And ah. the MA to kill number of 10. Ooh. Barely beyond the definition for weakness. And a high explosive yield on the four column of the IFT. Oh, ow. And under low tech, well, how low can you go? Mechanical unreliability, bad transmission, B11 on the main armament, yeah. no radio, yeah. and an RST, restricted slow traffic. Yes. Uh, all apply. <clears throat> the earlier version, M33, is even worse. <laughs> But Mother Russia, this is what we call efficiency. <laughs> but in fairness, they did have some good tanks later, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Now, to fight successfully, it's necessary to understand all the characteristics of your AFV, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And secondly, to stress that after having plumbed the depths of tank design, hmm. even that lowly FT-17 French tank, I think it was a World War One model, that really little... Oh, that really long-looking thing? No, really little thing. Really short, little, oh, okay. sloped. Oh, yeah. Didn't it have it's, that, like, hook kind of thing in the back of it? It was like something? a triangle-shaped thing. Yeah. It's at Cantini. You can climb on one out yeah. at the Wheaton. I don't know um, if they drove it backwards to push down the, the barbed wire or if it rolled over a lot. I don't know. Yeah, even with that. You can be with sound tactics, careful thought, and a dash of luck. Your key to victory. Dun-dun-dun! Also well-written. Yeah, yeah, I like Lally's article here. I mean, they only need to be stronger than a horse, and some of them barely work. To have some benefit. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Don't yeah. have to feed it. I guess when they built them, they probably didn't think where they'd be going against a lot of really big, scary tanks. They thought Correct. they'd just be Or that they'd have to be fast. Horses. Or they'd need to be, yeah, exactly. They wouldn't need to be that fast, no. right? Trench warfare. Yeah. Kind of beginnings. Well, did you – I saw something interesting when I was – when I was in Germany, they had some of the, the old World War One tanks, you know, and they're named and everything. I think this one was in uh, Munich or one of the towns. I forgot because we were on a little tour thing at that time. And they were mentioning, you know, about the reliability of these tanks and how hard it was, you know, because they'd have like 10, 12 guys in this rolling giant room of a tank, you know, with guns and machine guns up there. But he said the most, the, the guys had to deal with, you know, 
really hot, slow, couldn't see what you were doing, oh, yeah. that kind of thing. And, you know, this thing's rubbing around. But the thing they said was most bothering, it was so noisy in there that guys would come out, like, absolutely deaf. Just ringing. Or, they can only stay in there so long because, the you know, they enclose the engine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's like, and only it says you go there. And half the time they did, you know, to give orders, they said it was quite often they hit each other, punched, you know, do, you know. Hand signals. Hand signals. And... Uh, maybe an elbow signal, anything else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was, I was there. I says, I can't imagine being in, in an enclosed, hot, slow-moving thing with, with the noise volume at maximum with your ears ringing. You got, had to come out of there with just like a massive head. Oh, but forever. that was horrible. Well, in the Civil War, in the Merrimack versus the Monitor battle, which kind of was actually a draw, right? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. the one ship... It's one rudder broke, and yeah. they, they thought one it was withdrew. leaving. The other one was a little damaged and thought they won. And mm-hmm. They turned to leave. The other one thought, oh, now we won. But the inside, the concussion of the can, solid shot bounding off the iron, their ears were bleeding from the that's concussion. Of the, Can you imagine that? Hitting that's, on that. That's amazing. On one yeah. of them, or both of yeah. them. At least one of them. But. Back to reality again. Uh, the author points out that. Um, you do have a crew in that vehicle, so it's kind of an armored personnel carrier. Mm-hmm. And there may be times you'd want to look to come out of that tank, either to get a vehicle, another vehicle, more valuable, a gun, or a support weapon. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because sometimes you can come out of a vehicle, you can abandon it, and sometimes take out a weapon, mm-hmm. right? Certain tanks. Or half tracks. You know, or half tracks. So Which we'll, is a great little tactic to use. I won it at the ASL Open, Dave Goldman. Let's give a ring for him. Ding, ding, ding. I was playing with Jim. Uh, Oh, Jim Serafin? Yeah, and we were, it was, I think it was Point Du Hoc. And you had the option yeah. of the, on the vehicle notes, again, read those notes. Mm-hmm. Which at the year, it says you, it came with a half squad and an NA tank weapon. And wow, I got an extra half squad with a Panzerfaust. That's the good vehicle. Or Panzer Shrek or whatever it was. Yeah, there's a couple. I think the Americans get a few. In the... Yeah, so do read those notes. Some are designed to have this guy pop out with this weapon. Mm hmm. It turned the tide. It really did. <laughs> now, a, d- a downside to the tin can is that the crew's often an easy extra two victory points when it's oh. blown up. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, I hate that. But just use it as a a mobile machine gun nest. Keep it at range. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Now, yep. tactically, don't Stick. forget that even though you may have a low main armament or something like that, firepower. Low, a low main? Firepower. No, not... Low main. Not chicken low main. Yeah, chicken low main armament. Ooh, that sounds delicious. It would be, it's always a threat. And the threat of your tank having this long-range shot could help funnel your enemy movement. And yeah. sometimes the threat is sure. more powerful than the actual Yeah, yeah. And, and even right. interdiction. Yes, absolutely. Cut off routes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you can always use the tank to move around behind somebody and cut off routes, no matter if it's a tin can or not. It, it counts, right? So from the point of view of your infantry, your tin can can be nearly as useful dead as alive. It's grounding. Uh, and cover. cover. Yeah, it's cover. Sad but true. When push comes to shove, it may be worthwhile to push your bad tanks into the teeth of the enemy, draw some fire, and provide some infantry cover to move yep. up to buildings. Sure. And that reminds me of the game I was playing with, I mentioned before on the show, Bob Holmstrom. yeah. When my tank was destroyed, and he was like, that was a good move, because even if I destroyed that, you get a burning wreck. 
Now your smoke yeah. goes downwind, which is right across the street I'm trying to cover. And I was like, Oh, Actually, yeah. that's not why I yeah. put them there. Oh, but I'll that's take it. Coincidence. That's but... when you look at them and you know, kind of give them the wink. And, that was me. Yeah, <laughs> I I meant to do that. I meant to do that. Now, well, and they provide uh, even those tin cans. Yep, give you armored assault. Yes, and he says good order or Rex. Both mm-hmm. they both yeah. count as a plus one. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to destroy them, right? Mm-hmm. Now these VSG. What the heck was that? A real boon to nationalities. Oh, vehicular smoke grenades who have no smoke. So, like, Italians, Russians? Russians, Really? The only smoke they can get is the VSG. Get out of Dodge. I had no idea. Ivan, give me those grenades. The ones with the smoky, smoky. Yeah. Throw them out. Now, is that historically accurate, or did they forget to mention that the Russians don't have... Yeah, we don't have smoke, but we do in tanks. Yeah, you do know. I got, I'm going to look that up. I can up. see That's, it. Stalin says tanks are superior. Well, wait. Here's, here's my favorite part of the whole article. Ooh, ooh, cool. What you Ready? Got? It's a little in parentheses in italics. Ooh, note ooh. from the Eds. <laughs> Who's this Ed guy? That's got to be. Um, I think that's uh, Perry's yeah. you know, friend. I know. Is he the editor? That's Mr. So Ed. Look what it says in parentheses. For more on smoke making, check out Smoke Gets In Your Eyes. On page seven of this issue, ah. <laughs> provided you're not reading this in numerical order, is it? Is it like? Is it? I mean, are you supposed to use that like that? Wouldn't you only put that in if it's in a different the, issue? The issue, right? <laughs> I mean, like, oh, well, like what? I'm not going to find that article. There's only like three might, articles. Well, you might not. What are you talking you about? Not. You don't put that in. For more on smoke, check out "Smoke It's in Your Eyes" on page seven of this issue. What are you talking about? We're ASL fanatics. I, that's when you go up to the point. It's like the they, editor says, you know, I got this space. I got to fill it with something. I know. Give me a, give me a. <laughs> yeah. Put a reference. <laughs> oh, here's a very famous, known, ta- infamous VBM freeze. Ooh. So rather than describe it here, folks, we all know what it is now. We've yeah. talked about it plenty. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, your tin can can do it. Yes. Right? That's true. In addition, the slow tanks in some cases, these slow ones are as quick as others if you think about this. Mm-hmm. Entering woods. Takes a quarter of your movement points. Half. Oh, yeah. it's half. Half of your movement points, right? Or all. Sure. If you want to make a trail break. So if yeah. I got a tank that moves four, are there any that go four? I think six. I think I've seen six. Whatever. You get the point. Yeah. Three movement points to cross the woods or... Cost the fast tank 12 movement points. Right. It's the Hellcat, yeah. eight, you know, 18, 24, okay. whatever. So don't forget that. You may want to use them to do the wood crossing. Mm-hmm. All your movement points is all your movement points, Regardless whether you have 15 or 5. There you go. So that seems like uh, they're they're playing on the, taking advantage of uh, the rules. That does, doesn't it? Yes. Who would have thought of that? It does, yeah. doesn't it? It's a little, seems a little sleazy. <laughs> Cause, yeah, like my big T thirty four, you know, it'll take half, or, or this little uh, rinky dink thing, it'll take half. But who yeah, might argue? The I'll half, take advantage the, of it because the rinky dink's moving so slowly, it shouldn't get through that woods. No, in long I, term, that's, yeah. right? unless it's going to crush it by just the sheer weight of its vehicle. <laughs> now, I have practical experience of driving a tank. Yeah, through tell a woods. me more about that. Let me tell you, you don't want to do it. <laughs> And let me tell you why. <laughs> Wait, now, this, where, where were you at? What I, you I was bring? stationed in Germany. Okay, what from years? Se- from 78 to 80. Okay. Uh, I was with the 3rd of the 35th Armor. We stationed in Bamberg, Federal Republic of Germany, which is now just Germany. 
and um, our unit had several M60A1s, and we would do our maneuver rights through through Germany, which, oh, man, could I tell you stories? It's just unbelievable. I can show you pictures as well. But anyway, when we were moving armored vehicles through woods, if it was a way for you to get through a, a woods that you could see through, like just trees and there wasn't a lot of bramble, that was okay. But if you're getting into a point with a tank, you don't want to really do it because I'll tell you, your tanks can plow down a tree about, oh, maybe five or six inches in diameter, and you just get your track on it, it'll just crush it like like nothing. But here's the problem. The treads keep going. It starts to it, gnarl it, up. It, it just, you know, the tree branches get caught up into the treads and the road wheels. Once that gets bound up into your sprocket, forget it. Once, Because once that gets bound and everything, boom, your, te- your tread don't move. Yeah. Your tank is stuck. So what do you got to do? Bus track. Take it off? Yeah, yeah, because tracks are held in by sections with these end connectors and a wedge bolt that tightens them up. Yeah. Yeah. Put in these jacks, take off the wedge bolts, pull the the end connectors off, bust the track in two, grab whatever you can, cut this stuff out, pull it all out, put the tracks back together again, put in the wedge bolts and everything else, right? Then you got to adjust your track tension. There's another fun thing to do where you're stringing out this. You know, it's got a whole procedure on the thing. Yeah. You could waste three hours. Just doing that stuff. And then, of course, it's it's on a day like today when it's like 90% humidity or you're in the middle of mud. It, you're, it, it's If you have an opportunity, you just don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Stay on the roads. Stay on the roads. Yeah. Roads are good. Anything in the road, blow it up. <laughs> Remember the motto of the tankers? Stay on the tank. Yeah. Yeah, so bogging is definitely a problemo. It, it is for the crew. Infantry will then walk by and go, ha, ha, you idiot. Yeah. Well, this author's pointing out, again, Mr. Ollie, uh, a good role for tin cans may be, well, armored assault, as Jeff mentioned, but also finding minefields the hard way. Oh. Oh, that seems <laughs> oh, <yes>. cruel. <laughs> Do I have any volunteers? No? Well, get out there anyway. Oh. Carl, yeah, drive the track. Go that way. <laughs> Tell me if you see anything. And he says, I'm not going to be able to sell you much on the advantages of weak armor and weak main armaments. But here, here's a few compensations. The flip side of weak armor means usually low ground pressure, so you won't bog as much. And what can I say is good about a weak main armament? Well, it's usually weak because of a low-caliber gun. Right. So if you have a 40 millimeter less, don't forget multiple hits. Take the double kills, yeah. Yeah. Which again is something I'm sure I just straight forget out forget about constantly. Um, and like we'll end up that article with this comment. On the other hand, the French Renault and Hotchkiss light tanks, for example, are about equally well protected all around. They have a four on the hull, six AV on the turret, and a side target facing doesn't mean a thing. Think about hull down positions, but also think about the breakthrough roll, where you may be taking fire from all sides. For these tanks, front and side facings are all the same. When you have a good side armor, even if it's lower, like a four and a six, but it's equal in some of these early tanks, mm-hmm. you know, instead of that big front and then weak side, you could think about the breakthrough roll. So for these tanks, front and sides are the same, and rear isn't always much worse. So forget the late war tactics of never showing your weak parts. Press on to the enemy's rear. So if you have one of these balanced tanks, mm-hmm. and the guns are lower caliber anyway in the early war, they can be used differently tactically than the way I was using my T-34s against you, Jeff, right. which was, mm-hmm. I didn't really want you to get that 
I think you had a six to kill number from the side shots or eight. That's a pretty good chance. Yeah. Yeah. That's in the front. It was, you had to roll a four or three. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so there you go. That's what I found. Very good. Outstanding. Outstanding. True. Very good article. And the rest of this will go much quicker. You have a J5 Bizzery Loves Company, just uh, historical look, Bartholomew Bash, J6, and a Red Barricades Campaign Game 4, Bled White, ooh. written by Steve Deathlifson. Boy, there's a name I sounds familiar. We interviewed yeah. him in two episodes. That's yes, where I've right. heard it. And he's working on the, he's not doing Denant, that's stolen. What's Deathlifson was doing the... Oh, something in the Pacific. Shoot, right? Going to invite him to yeah, the outpost. I can't remember. Uh, Philippines, maybe? Is that, is I have that forgotten. The Sorry, yeah. Steve. Well, you can look yeah. it up on our show. Yeah, please dial in. Anytime. And Eddie Zeman, who we have not interviewed yet. And so there, you get a whole little campaign game. That's one thing I want to do. Is that like a playthrough? No, no, or no. It's a, a campaign game. So oh, it tells you the starting forces, okay. mm-hmm. initial right. setup, uh, some, some variations, uh, purchasing charts. This one's a replay. What's Michael Puccio, J.R. Tracy, who we also have interviewed on this. My goodness, we've all the interviewed greats, a lot of all these the people. Greats so I got to see here. some of them at Aslock, which was kind of cool. Of course, they yes. wouldn't talk to me. I just could have you know, stood <laughs> away afar into the shadows, just admiring them from afar. But after this show, you're now going to be one of the <gasps> famous people. Gosh, you got to love it. J.R., I'm going to talk to you. I'll meet you there. And I did not reread this. You buy the first beers. Because, boy, if you think listening to one of my... After action reports, play by plays, or ASL extra, any episode, try reading through this bit by bit. Oh, yeah. But in the day, this was what I would actually read the whole thing. I never moved the troops. Without right. any understanding? No, no, I got it. Because oh, you, you can find some gems in here. But it's, you know, you had, it was the early days. There wasn't all this internet stuff. But I didn't highlight anything from it. I actually read a few really looks paragraphs. looks nice, though. I love, I love the diagrams there. Yeah. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. You know, it shows you the troops and the place, and that's great. Now, look at this. In this journal, you get a red, uh, solitaire, Red Barricades Solitaire Edition. Yeah, for those so, that have yet to reach Ultimate Madness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess you play a video game if you're playing. <laughs> I had I done, so. I think I had, I had played 13 or so solitaire uh, scenarios. And then hung it up. Have, do you have to have the 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 solitaire game? I've seen it on eBay. I'm yeah, because like, I can't got, afford it, folks. Oh, they reissued one. Oh, you missed that. They mm-hmm. reissued like a non-box version. Oh, really? I had sold mine on eBay for money, and then I was like, you know, I should have that as a podcaster now because mm-hmm. this was just before Jeff and I started the podcast. And um, yeah, they all come with these kind of charts and things, and so and we haven't covered solitaire yet, so that's a whole episode or two or three. Well, if we at the outpost are kind of committed not to have any solitaire, we like the face-to-face. Remember, yeah. community means fun. That's right. And this is a solitaire mission. But it One, is intriguing. You have to have a, three you have to have a split factory. personality to play it. <laughs> so you get four solitaire missions. Nice. Four red barricades in well, that. Can you imagine arguing with yourself? You, you cheat. Yeah. No, I don't. It cheat. gives you the Take random tables you need. You peaked. And OBA stuff. Or, I mean, order you only one because you could see what I'm doing. And here's a tip from the trenches. Maybe Ooh. it won't be a ah. we-take-it-back tip. There you go. Worried about that enemy having a sneaky line of sight? Jeff, do you have that music to the crankety old man or the oh. Oh, old please. philosopher? Yeah, the old cool. philosopher? Yeah. Ooh, this is going to be cool. Oh, the music for it? Yeah. No. Do you have any violin sad music? Uh, let me see. Are you worried, my friend, about the enemy 
having a sneaky line of sight to your moving concealed units? Are you afraid to even move your squads across the board? Because you want to keep that concealment for that half firepower. Well, my friend, is that what's bothering you, Bunky? My friend, don't worry about it. You can just drop concealment even though you're not sure that the enemy has line of sight. Why would you do this? By dropping concealment, you're forcing the defender to declare an attack before he is sure of the line of sight. If you are concealed and not using assault movement, the defender can take free line of sight checks. So drop that concealment and get moving, my friend. I will! Now, do you want me to move that to the beginning as a comedy bit or keep it in the context and then start doing it? I think you could leave it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let me know if you have any more of those. (laughs) Well, then. Oh, I'm still on. Look, I'm still on this replay. Look at this. Oh, my. Four more pages later, after it being interspersed. Whoa. I did did highlight something I thought I might have. Um, One little note concerning. Well, having gotten to know this scenario, I would have to tell you what scenario it was, wouldn't I? Let's keep it a mystery, unless, of course, you don't have clearance. You do have clearance, don't you? If you're going to play a 109, Scouts Out. That's fairly famous, Scouts Out. Or as we used to say, the only good scout is a... Dead Scout. That's the one. (laughs) Having gotten to know this scenario as well as any other, I'm happy to say it's a very good one. I would ask and give the balance to the German. This is the recommendations from these guys. Uh... But after that, it's anybody's game. The German player has to have a strong stomach to stay in it. You'll be under heavy pressure mm-hmm. right from the start, keeping hip and concealment till the best possible shot is a must. At times, you will have to treat one of your few squads as a fire-and-forget weapon. The American player has just as much to worry about, having only one route to the victory, buildings, and vulnerable AFV, which would to get there. Coupled with the sudden death victory conditions, he has his work cut out for him. So, And you can apply... That little bit about the German being patient, yeah. using your hip concealment, but, that applies to a lot oh, of scenarios, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, but they need some filler in there. Bit. Oh, and speaking of that, as after action reports were brought on there, have you had the opportunity to um, look over Vassling with Stu? He's on YouTube. I think I might have mentioned it or whatever. I, or yeah, we've talked, talked to him before. He's been putting out some of the things. And you know, at the outpost, we have actually... Pulled up the thing and, and used it as a training video. Oh, it was kind of cool. Idea. You know, was that yes, Again, yes. we have beverages, coffee, tea, you know, coke, that kind of thing. For those who wish to attend, please mark it down. Come on down, say hello. And it just he did his last one out here, uh, which was very nice. I forget. Gosh, I can, God, I can't think of what the name of it was now. But uh, he does very well with his after action reports. I love the historical background. And mm-hmm. how he plays that into the oh, units and the stuff, and then using the vassling board to show you where the troops move and stuff as he re, re goes over the the tactics of the the scenario that was played. And I have some new players. Of course, we have like two or three new guys, that, and one guy who's brand new is just learning, and uh, got him out of starter kit. Now he's taking that full ah, wonderful. Oh, it's like yeah. he come out there going and being baptized into the full ASL. In this new experience, he was playing Fighting Withdraw. Yeah. The very nice one going out there, and we gave him the, gave him the fence because we figured it would be easier for him, to, for an attacker, than it would be for the guy who has to set up a preciser right. defense. Sure. 
And after he played it, and he just got into it, I said, remember, if you the choice, if you got to move or shoot, take move, because you got to get off the back of that board. In that game, yeah. But he, you know, he's, he does like all beginners do. They want to shoot. They want to fire. The yes, thing. you do. And there. Yeah, you got, you That's got what to, I'm there you for. Master the weapon. Don't have the weapon master you. Keep moving. Maneuver is the key. Well, he didn't, and he ended up losing. But I gave him the link to this thing, and I said, watch how this guy does this. And afterwards, he sent me back an email. He says, there are so many things that happened in that his after-action report that I never thought of. That's the kind of stuff that a guy like this gentleman right here, who was put together, is such a useful and viable tool, especially when you're teaching the newer players, as we're bringing in the new blood into ASL. It has to be there, and this is a great tool. To use. Yeah, it yeah. is a great tool. We should blink that one also. Uh, ending up this magazine, Mark Nixon, a very famous player. Who we have Ooh. not ever interviewed. President of the United I States. I think he's falling Wasn't out. He no, like Mark Nixon. I'm President of the United States. <laughs> Mark Nixon. Oh. <laughs> and my little dog, Checkers. The Fugitives. He's, oh, he's just listing top tens. His Ooh. favorite ten scenarios. So at ah, this point okay. in time, this is pretty early in the game. But yeah. The Fugitives. There were only 12 locking scenarios. Locking action at so. Lipke. Mm-hmm. Ooh. For people nice, who know these. Nice one. Winter Getter. Winter Witter. Hill, 621. Mm-hmm. Timo Schenkel's attack, which is interesting. It's on three boards, and you have to allocate your forces to defend all three boards. And the Germans got well, set. Well, I played that one. Once. It's a weird one. I, I think I did it once just to, again, say I had. To the Last Man. Mm-hmm. Was that 10? Uh, uh, we'll say it was. Maybe I missed some. Okay, only, that I think it was actually two, about six. One, two, three. <laughs> oh, Hill 621. You okay. said that. Okay, but it counts twice because there's two numbers <laughs> in it. I did not say that. Yes, you did. 621. I did. Yes. Okay. Maybe it's in the edit. Half his article. Maybe it comes in later. But here's another tip from the trenches. Ah. Those guys in the trenches, I really know a lot of things, don't they? Is infantry guarding your road, your AFV needs to travel, threatening to street fight it if you go by? Maybe you can squeeze by and bypass the building on the other side of the road. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. By golly, it's them little things that really kind of make you want to live and just... <laughs> yeah, scenario J7, slow and steady. J8, blockbusting in Borkorosk. And welcome to the jungle. You know what? There's a lot to read on this one, Jeff. Welcome I think we're going to hold this one. For what time are we at now? We're uh, like five hours. Let's wait. This is no. five shows. Yeah. No, we're at an hour and 15 minutes here. You're kidding me. No, I'm not. You are. Why would I? No, I'm not, Dave. All right. Okay. Listen. Is everyone cool listen if we hold on to voice? That's I wouldn't you counting so many ums. Can you come back in a couple yeah. weeks, Eric? Oh, I, are you kidding? I love it. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to tack on a replay Jeff and I discuss about. Not a replay. What do we call them? Uh, after action report? Yes. Yeah. St. Louis uh, scenario 10. Doesn't have an official name yet. Uh, Jeff and I will discuss that. By the time you're hearing this, the magazine may be close to available from the same. Yeah, Lewis the guys, they're yeah. having the tournament. It's coming out there very yeah, soon. Like in a week and a half or, or so yeah. from today. Yeah. So we'll add that on now, and we'll come back and say goodbye. Okay. Never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. Hey everybody, Dave here. Taking a look at uh, St. Louis Scenario 10. This comes out in the pack from the St. Louis guys, uh, Jim Burris especially. 
in the uh, new pack that's available. It's going to be called Revenge is a Dish. I'm doing a looking at a playtest version. The scenario takes place in uh, Peyagle, Burma, March 4th, 1942 and features uh, the Japanese and their Burmese uh, allies, uh, traitors against the British, allies to the Japanese, versus the British, uh, B Company, 1st Cameroonian, 63rd Brigade, 17th Division. What I like about this scenario is a half a board. you got four and a half turns here, so it should play very quickly. The... Commonwealth win at the end if they accumulate more victory points than the Japanese or the Burmese. And it's on half a board 67. X is A through P. So looking over the scenario, the Japanese Burmese set up first and the Commonwealth move first. And the special rules are really got my attention here. The uh, environmental conditions as expected in these scenarios, uh, moderate, no wind, PTO with light jungle, Buildings are wooden, and the steeple location in J4 does exist. Now, the Burmese are used partisan counters. That's pretty simple. Now, special rule three. During the rally phase of the Japanese Burma turns one, two, and three, the Japanese Burmese player makes a secret die roll, two dice, and places a concealed 337 partisan in the hex indicated by the color die and two concealment counters, partisan, in the hex indicated by the white die. So that's pretty cool. So it lays out these numbers. Like a die roll one, you'd place it in hex D2. A die roll of two in hex J2. A die roll of three, hex J4, ground level. Must be a building there, I don't have my map out yet. But this really got my attention, and I really, really like that idea. Now, I guess I'm wondering, what if you roll a 2 and a 2? You place them both in the same hex? Because it says, place a concealed 337 partisan in the hex indicated by the color die, and the two concealment counters in the hex indicated by the white die. Yeah, probably. If the location where the partisan unit is placed contains a good order enemy unit, the partisan unit is placed there unconcealed instead of concealed and may prep fire or move this turn. Now in this playtest version it doesn't state what happens if the dummies get placed with a with a unit. But I love this rule, special rule three. Uh, special rule four lays out the um, victory point conditions. And maybe he'll add those into the victory conditions. In the final version, but uh, the player whose player turn just ended gets a victory point for each um, of the following hexes that are controlled D2, I3, J4, L7, and N3 for possible five victory points. So you would rack up points at the end of each player turn. So the British play, they get points for what they are controlling, and then at the end of the Japanese player turn, he gains points, so it gives you an impetus to, to really fight viciously back and forth, it seems like. And I, it's really unique. So this rule three and four, really unique stuff. Um, glad to see Jim coming up with this kind of creative work here in a scenario design. The Japanese set up on or north of Hex Row I with a 447 
two three four sevens, a nine o, a light machine gun, and four concealment counters. Whereas the Burmese, uh, again allied with the Japanese, um, set up on or north of Hex Row D, uh, two three three sevens, three one two sevens, a seven o, and four concealment counters. And then you have the three 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 sevens that arrive on turns one, two, or three as per that special die rolling thing laid out in Special Scenario Rule, rule 3. So you don't know where they're going to come on, and these dummies will come on also, adding to the fog of war. The British um, enter on turn 1 from the south board edge. 5, 4, 5, eights, 3, 4, 5, sevens, a 9, 1, an 8, 0 heroic leader, a 147 and a light machine gun. No, I'm sorry, two light machine guns. Enter on turn one. So this game, again, it's short in, in um, turns played and it's a quick setup because the you know British are entering and some of the Japanese are entering during the game also by reinforcement. The Japanese have a sniper activation number four, and the British have a three. And the ELR for the Japanese is a low two, and the Commonwealth a ELR of four. And I just dug out board 67, A through P, and wow, that is a dense board. <laughs> the village is more buildings than I had imagined that it was. And it's got all kinds of cover everywhere. So the attackers should be able to move up onto the Japanese fairly easily without a lot of shots in the open ground. In fact, I don't think there'll be any shots in the open ground. There's a hill back here on around Hex B3. Don't think that's going to factor into anything at all. You can't get high enough to see over anything in this dense terrain. So, uh... Maybe I'll set up a defense with the Japanese and um, play through with Jeff and see if Jeff wants to give some comments too. The first thing to notice is the British enter turn one from the south board edge. So align your board facing that direction and get ready to defend from that side only. All right, well, I have a setup now, and I think what I'm going to do is... In M9, put a 127. His job is to cut off anyone running. Well, I think he's going to move forward, wait and see where the British are coming. And he can move up to K8, maybe, and cut off J9. In H8, I have two partisan concealment counters, dummy stack. I9, two... Japanese dummies, two concealment counters, H6, so one, two, seven, half squad, partisan, Burmese, and I7 dummies, two Japanese concealment counter dummies. Then I6, three, four, seven, I5, a three, four, seven, I4, a four, four, seven, an LMG, and a nine, oh, leader. And I2, the Japanese sniper counter, J2, a 7-0 leader, 
of the Burmese partisans. H3, two dummies, two consume encounters, so it's a dummy stack. H2, a 337, H1, a 337, and H0, a 127. Now my thinking is just go ahead and forfeit D1 not keep anyone out there to get surrounded although I emailed Jim about the point scoring system and yeah it, it is that you score points at the end of each player turn so in his game he didn't take D2 with the British had he done that he may have won his game, his playtest game I'm going to try giving it up at the beginning and not I just fear losing counters in there to you know, close combat or getting surrounded with all those British. So I'm kind of drawing a line, you know, H and I. There's a line all the way across. Heavy dummies on my left side. Because if he comes around the left, you can always shift a little bit to the left to protect these buildings. The interesting thing also is that the reinforcements appear in most of the victory hexes. I'm still not sure what happens with the two cars and concealment counters being placed in a hex indicated by the white die. If the location where the partisan unit is placed contains a good order enemy unit, partisan unit is placed there unconcealed instead and may prep or move this turn. So I'll email him and ask about the uh, putting the dummies out in an occupied hex. I don't think you can do that, but I'm not sure. And I chose the wood line in the H hex row because it covers some open ground there in G1, G2, F0, F2. Yeah, the half squad in H6 is to cover the open ground in G6. I think the terrain is so tight, you know, he's, he's going to be able to take it to you up close. So I don't see any great long lines of sights. I thought about F something in F7 or F8 to cover that open ground through D8, C8, B8, and so on, but now I think I'll just let them come up as I am. Oh, the factories may be roaring with the boom a lack zoom a lack wee but there isn't any roar when the clock strikes four, everything stops for tea. Oh, a lawyer in a courtroom in the middle of an alimony plea has to stop and help him pour when the clock strikes four, Everything stops with tea. All right, Jeff's here, and we finished one game. Yes, we did. We got to turn four. Is that right? Starting four. Yeah, we finished started. through three. Yeah. And the Japanese have 12 points. The British just have three. I abandoned D2 at the start of the game, so Jeff held that for three turns. So mathematically at this point, he would need to have four buildings at the end of this turn and all five at the end of next turn. Just wasn't going to happen. To tie it. Was actually was, to tie it. Yeah. Just wasn't going to be in. Yeah. Yeah. So it ain't going to happen at no. this point. Part of it, what do you think? Do the British have a chance, Jeff? We, we'll flip I don't sides. think, um, I, I don't, yeah, I th actually I think the British could have had a chance. You know, I uh, after looking at Dave's setup, I thought, uh, you know, the east, his east side looked a little weak, but it was kind of a long run. So I decided not to go there. I stayed in the center and on the west side. And I thought with his, with the low uh, value um, firepower of his units, oh, the, I, I figured the I could. The 137s and yeah, the two. I, I, 
I figured I could stand up to anything that he threw at me with these nice British units, but uh, his one and his uh, three firepower, a couple of three firepowers along the center there. Yeah, G G1 and G2, Jeff's guys broke. One was casually reduced and then yeah. eliminated on the final fire yep. because you had to come neg two in the open round. Yeah. Right over the hedge. And then to G1 and G2, and they didn't make those rolls, but I thought you could regroup and still punch through there. But the guy you broke in H0 and, I think, H1, rallied back to J3 where I have a leader. And Yeah, did I break rallied, anybody across there? Yeah, one of those guys. Broke one of those went guys. back and okay. came back up. And then in the center... So I had three, squ three squads, a hero uh, and the heroic leader there. Um, but they could not break those guys. They broke one guy. That's it. And you would not. And then you you skulked. So I had nothing to shoot yeah, skulking, at. Skulking. Then you had to run in the and open. I, I, you did try for smoke. I tried for smoke and failed both times. Yeah. So nothing there. And then so, he's ended up here in I six with a stack of three Brits and a light machine gun, and the nine egg one broke and routed back to H six. Yeah. I sent some dummy squads, dummy stacks back. Toward D2, all my reinforcements came up around J2, J4, in there, mostly. A lot of bad rolls for me. I mean, I took some a 20 shot at you adjacent, and uh, you laughed that off. And uh, yeah, well, you well, striped of Japanese. Yeah, with a failed morale check. Yeah. So, I mean, you're you're holding on. You're holding on really strong with very very weak units. So uh, I don't know. If I the think British you have a don't chance. have time to know. prep. Those two prep shots from I six and E three. I think you could have pushed two into those concealments earlier. Send a squad in there during advance. And reveal during movement. Oh yeah, just go right into the hex with the two. See if it's dummies. Then you could have punched up earlier. I yeah. think would be the only thing I would have said. Right. Everything else, I think you played pretty well. So and your rolls, of course, sucked. Yes, as usual. Lots and lots of eights. Lots and lots of high So like rolls. when I had a four shot from J6, a 237 adjacent, a four shot into the woods in I6, Jeff ended up breaking his leader and then pinning two of the eights. Yeah. That's how bad the rolls were, right? Yeah. On a one check. So, yeah. all right, we're going to flip it and then just talk about it again. All right, we finished our second game, Jeff. What happened? Ta-da! Well, it was, an, it was a bit of a nail-biter. The British did... <laughs> a little bit. You playing the British did... Well, better than I did, um, and I think the key thing there was I tried to cross. I tried to cross a couple of hexes of open ground. You worked your way through the center, and yeah, I came up. Uh, came yeah, up through I, the center. I sent a squad and a half to get D two and into F one. Yeah, to hold just to kind of decoy you. Yeah, decoy you or distract you, and then you had that same line to start the game. We didn't tell them what we did, but you had yeah, all that H tree line covered, right? Yeah. Then you covered through I4, I5, what, was it here? Or J4, J5? No, it was up. Uh, yeah, I6, yeah. and then right up the V, J6. Yeah. I6, J6, K7, L7. So pretty much Jeff had that L-shaped defense. He had a little decoy I-9 out here, which was just dummies, so I ignored them entirely. Yeah, difference, I didn't come across that open ground. Right. G1, G2. Most everything came up, the F4, G5, and H3. I think my first move was further than yours. Yes, it was. So the British got a double time, got a bypass, 
you moved in stacks. You you saw that uh, you, you I, I had no line of sight, so you just moved in big stacks, yeah. which was great. And you got guys up there early. Yeah, and then I sent some over to this F five, and then G six H six. They made a push. They ended up pushing, which was like a squad and a half and a heroic eight zero, who's dead because he failed his wound check. But they ended up at K seven, got pinned. Yes. Isn't that right? They were almost made it. Saving L seven. And Jeff just had a one two seven and L seven yeah. at the end game. Um my center push we got tied up in melee in H two. Yeah, that so, lasted a while. So two is that, turns. Should the British do the melee or not? Can they afford in a four and a half turn game to get tied up? Not really. I, I it worries me. Yeah. You can get tied up at that two to one odds against the Burmese or the Japanese. Yeah. And then Jeff had a J4 hand to hand. He ambushed. What happened there? Lost it. Lost it. I mean, it was. Uh, two to one, one yeah, to it was two. Two to one, yeah. And you rolled a and nine or ten or something, yeah. minus two, missed by one. Yeah. And then the British won it on a roll of a five. Right. Even with ambushed, they still got it. And because it was red hand to hand by then. But still, mathematically, we figured out. It would have been yeah. a close game, but we figured that the British did would not have won. Even though you made much more progress than I did. I need one You still would point. not have won. Yeah, you would have lost by one point. It would have been tied. Conceivably. Yeah, actually. In which if, case, that would have been a loss for the British. Yeah, if I possibly tied. could have pushed into the last hexes, L7 and M4, at the end game and won them. And 3 I'm sorry, M... N3. Oh, N3. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that would have been a push. Oh, is that all dummies back that was there? All Look dummies. at that. M4 is loaded with dummies. And then L3 was his rallying spot with some broken Burmese in there. That would have been easy to blow through. Yeah. So actually, yeah. He ends up with some Burmese in J3, but they're surrounded by Brits in J4, I3, J2. So I could have blitzed up there and taken that one easy and still have a tie game at the end. So, yeah. But you can't tie because the British Commonwealth need to have more victory points than the Japanese Burmese. So steeple, neither of us used it. No. I don't... you got to battle your way to the top. A 137 up there? Oh, Maybe. Maybe, because it can only hold a half squad, right? A steeple, yeah. I think. Yeah. So I'm thinking maybe a one three seven up there. It doesn't give you a line of sight over anything. No, it really it's doesn't. Equal and, level, but yeah. um, but I, I don't really see the advantage of having them up there. I think just you know. at this end game, I would have had to. Well, I would have fired up at you in the steeple, or yeah. I would have had to advance somebody up there. Right. So it's another level to try and deal with to control the building. Um. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But tough for the British, would you say? I I think it is. Um, would you say you played that one correctly? I'd say you played it correctly, and and the roles were pretty even back and forth. Yeah, you know, we both had. I had a few good ones. You had. A, I had a few key ones. You had some. You know. Yeah. All, all at the end, you suddenly started hitting yeah. some threes and twos and yeah fours on the on the shots yeah you had a big stack moving up and then uh, a lot of them took a hit but um 
still. So we're going to have to report on this one to Jim because this is still a play test. We're hoping this will be close to the final version in the yeah. packet you guys could buy. Um, do we? <laughs> this is probably always get a little like. So is it balanced? It seems like it. Even though the first game was more of a blowout, but I. Yeah, yeah, maybe. It might be bad. Probably. Because we have to make a recommendation. This is yeah. the problem with playtesting, boys and girls. Is it balanced? Um, if we thought the dice rolls were even. Yeah. If we thought you played a decent defense. Yeah. I think you did. Yeah. You skulked when you needed to. You know, if, yeah. if your opponent doesn't skulk, the Brits might roll this one over. Right. If the Brits go too slow, they're never going to win it. Yeah. But players who know they got to move fast and they got to skulk as a defender. And then you got this great randomness of these reinforcements. That was kind of cool. None yeah, of us I, ever I, hit. I like the way that worked out. We never, never, I never did get anything back into D2. Nor, D2 nor did I. Yeah. But it's odds are one out of five it's going to hit. There, yeah. Or one out of six. Yeah. Um, yeah, fun, I thought, though. Yeah, it's fun. I, I really like it a lot. Yeah. With the Burmese popping up all over the place. Yeah. Move, yes, I like that. And it, it, give, it gives a defender have to think about moving those reinforcements once they appear. So it's got variety in it for replayability. Yes. And it's quick. Yeah, we Two played it twice and, in four yeah. hours. All right, well, Good we'll game. say goodbye and sneak this into an episode somewhere. Time out whilst I think up some more deviltry. Well, I'm sure that was fascinating. Yeah, nice little scenario there. Yeah, we had fun. And we'd like to thank um, Eric Ortega for joining yeah, us thanks today. Thanks for coming all the way out here. Hey, uh, I, I'm telling you, the traffic's getting better. I really enjoy it. Good. Right. Well, we'll maybe see you in two weeks for another recording. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And see you in a couple of weeks. we want to remind everyone, roll low. And rally well. But, but not, not when, when you're, you're playing, playing us. us. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Just, just wonderful. Just all these little tidbits that you get out of those magazines. I didn't realize how valuable those magazines are. You can, you can pick up a lot of things. You can pick up a lot of things. But then you got to remember them. It's Monty Python's Flying Jinks! Circus! That's the wrong march. This is El Capitan. You're thinking of the Liberty Bell march. Well, that's close enough. Oh, it's not Monty Python. No, it isn't, but it sounds like it, don't it? There you go. There we go. I am the minister. It's Monty Python's Flying Circus with tanks and spam. That's what the that's what's in those tin cans okay. and spam. Spam, spam and more spam.